0: homies this is Sarah and this is Ashley and this is Hometown Homicide
1: Hope you guys liked the story from last week. I'm still pumped about it. And actually super pumped about her her story this week.
0: I am. I put a lot of time into this one. I've been ready for a while. Yes. We're actually recording early because she was like on it. I went down a rabbit hole. Yeah. Yeah. On this one. Yeah. I'm excited. I I have like a lot of exciting things that could be possibly happening in the next shit month. Not a shit month, but... (laughs) (laughs) And I just... (laughs) Oh, I want to share it, but I don't want to get, like, my hopes up. I don't want to jinx it, but, oh.
1: She is amped.
0: Amped. Folks. But any news?
1: Um, that, uh, it's not true crime, but, um, I almost just said, that girl died. Which doesn't narrow it down at all. But that girl from Toddlers and Tiaras that- Oh, we- I saw that. Yeah. Suicide. Yeah. Yeah. That's sad. After prom? Oh, I think she well I know I saw a headline saying something about she had just attended her prom I didn't know like I didn't
0: well, that's what I mean I you know from what I read oh. she went to prom and then she was gone Ugh, that's sad also um heard the news if you guys listen to crime junkie oh yeah yeah. sad news about Brit so hometown homicide is thinking about you yes that was very Any sad to hear good vibes I'm glad she's doing better. Yeah. But, mm-hmm. oh, and uh shout out to our new Patreon. 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 Sam. 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 Yeah. Oh, Sam.
1: Appreciate you. That's awesome. I need to get your address still. I'll message you before you even hear this, but to send the koozie in. So. I was
0: like, welcome to the fuckery. <laughs> <laughs> Hope um. you enjoyed the bonus episode. So, what the fuck, but very sad news. And then I just saw an update. Oh, a few updates on that. If you don't have Patreon, you probably don't know what we're talking about. But uh, the one in Wisconsin, it was his cousin that he raped and murdered.
1: My cop friend said that that he was pretty sure that it was... Mm -hmm. And I'm like, that's bizarre. And he planned it. Yeah, and, and terrible
0: and awful. And then the... Locked in syndrome. Mm-hmm. They're saying she, the parents are saying she wanted to sit there for 12 years. She requested it.
1: Um, uh, maybe <laughs> to sit there, but not sit there in that.
0: And they didn't. In the updated article, they didn't say anything about locked in syndrome.
1: Really. mm hmm.
0: But that's it. That's all I have. Yeah. Hopefully, next episode, I'll have some good news to share because <laughs> I will not keep quiet. Eek eek today uh, we're gonna take you back Um, another Iowa one this happened in our own backyard
1: like literally
0: but it came back and you know how I love (laughs) a case that's been solved after many many moons many 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 decades so this is Michelle Martinko forever 18 It was December 19th, 1979 and Michelle Martinko, 18 years old and a senior at Kennedy High School attended a banquet for the Kennedy Concert Choir at the Sheraton Inn in Cedar Rapids, Iowa. Michelle was in her favorite black jersey dress, black scarf, black tights and heels with her waist length white and brown rabbit fur coat. She looked like an angel. Some say Charlie's angel. She asked her friend Jane if she wanted to go shopping with her at the brand new Westdale Mall on the southwest side of Cedar Rapids, (laughs) which is sad because all that's left is JCPenney. Like, it is gone. And they must close early, or
1: ish. I went and got Roadhouse the other night. Oh, yeah. And it was, like, 7.30 and Penny's had nothing. Like, no
0: cars were around it. Just said like this. It was a booming place. It said Westdale Mall at that time because it was brand brand mm-hmm. new yeah. when this happened. Was a place to be, and all the kids would hang out there. Jane declined Michelle because she had homework, so Michelle headed to the mall by herself in her family's 1972 Buick Electra with 180 dollars in her brown leather purse. Michelle wanted to get a new winter coat because it's Iowa, it's December. It's really cold. So like I said, Westdale Mall was brand new. It had a little over 100 stores, and it's right before Christmas. So it was really busy this night. Michelle Martinko was born October 6, 1961, to parents Albert and Janet Martinko in Cedar Rapids. And she was what her sister described as a miracle baby. Because after her sister Janelle was born, they tried many times to give Janelle a sibling. But endured many miscarriages. Mm. But when Janet was 44, she gave birth to a healthy baby, Michelle. Oh, 44. Because mm-hmm. they kind of gave up like lost hope and yeah. then oh, got oh. pregnant. Oh. In middle school, Michelle wore a back brace because she had scoliosis, mm-hmm. which made her really shy. But by high school, is that's when she blossomed. Mm-hmm. Michelle was described as being a girly girl. She was bright, friendly, and definitely stood out in a crowd. She was beautiful, striking, as some would describe, and it was she was impossible to miss—a real head turner with the most gorgeous golden blonde hair that many said looked like Farrah Fawcett. Her brother-in-law John said that was her nickname, Farrah. Uh Michelle was also a really talented performer. She joined the twirling squad, which is baton twirling, as a sophomore and performed in choir and theater. That night, Michelle went to different stores and talked to friends that worked at the mall and was last seen around 8 or 9 p.m. outside a jewelry store in the mall. Kurt Thomas, who was working in a men's clothing store, ran into Michelle and spent his entire break chatting with her. He was the last person to see Michelle when he walked her to the mall exit. Kurt said Michelle was saying her goodbye, And she smiled at him. He calls it the Michelle smile. Mm. And she left to the parking lot to her car. Looking back, he wished she would have walked her to her car. Since it was a school night, it wasn't a night for her to stay out late. So when Michelle still hadn't returned home by 2 a.m., her father, Albert, reported her missing and began searching for her along with police. I guess her mom kept calling and calling and calling 911 Mm. because like, oh, she's a teenager. She's doing teenage stuff. And she's like, no, she's not. So at 4 a.m., police officer Kincaid found the Martinko's tan and green 1972 Buick that Michelle was driving in the northeast corner of the mall parking lot, a far walk to the JCPenney. Because it's December in Iowa, Kincaid wasn't able to see through the windshield due to the frost to determine if anyone was in the car. So he opened the back door and he could see there was a woman in the front, but he initially thought it was an intoxicated older woman. So he walked around to the other side and looked in the passenger side window and he could tell it was not an intoxicated lady. Instead, it was Michelle, who was inside, collapsed over the passenger seat, stabbed to death. Michelle had been stabbed 29 times in her face, neck, and chest. Jesus. Her hands had defensive wounds, which indicated she fought Aww. back, and they said it was a real fight. It was overkill. It was determined with the lack of blood outside of the car that Michelle was killed while in the car, and the medical examiner estimated she had died between 8 and 10 p.m. But if they saw her around 9, and mm-hmm. if she was leaving when the mall was about to close, mm-hmm. would have been 9, 9.30. Mm-hmm. Michelle was killed with a sharp-pointed weapon, but not definitively a knife, and size of the weapon could not be determined. Whoever killed Michelle left no fingerprints, which led police to believe they had to have worn gloves. Mm-hmm. The $180 Michelle took to the mall was still in her purse. So robbery was ruled out as a motive right away. She was fully dressed, but her dress was pulled up a little bit, and it was later determined by the medical examiner that she had not been sexually assaulted. Oh, that's good. So that ruled out as a motive. Uh The inside of the car was covered in blood splatter, but no blood was found outside of the car. Even though there was no blood trail, the killer left glove prints on the outside of the door in the dirt on the door handle.
2: Mm.
0: Looked like dishwashing gloves from the 70s that everyone would have had in their house. Mm. Due to the nature of the killing, police considered this to be personal based on the number and location of stab wounds. But what was the motive? hmm
1: Hey, homies, just a quick break here to remind everyone that Ashley and I appreciate you guys so much. All the likes, the comments, the messages that we get, we thoroughly enjoy getting them. We love hearing from you, and we do love you guys. So keep it up.
0: The blood inside the car showed the struggle took place on the passenger side of the car, but the gear shift and steering wheel had blood on it. Police believe the killer touched those after he killed Michelle. They thought maybe he cut himself, and they say he, but he cut himself during the attack and left his own blood behind. But in 1979, it was almost impossible to link that DNA to a suspect. Back then, they used blood typing to determine what type of blood someone had. Mm -hmm. But they still collected the blood for analysis. Besides that, there was an anything else at that scene they could use to link to a suspect and they got some tips like oh it was you know we saw someone staring at mannequins at the mall it had to have been that person or we saw you know someone attack someone with a knife a couple miles away they had like random tips hmm. and because they had few leads the police turned to the public for help and they got more than 200 tips in weeks following her killing. Hmm. There were many rumors and theories circulating around Cedar Rapids about Michelle herself. Some theories included drug rings to prostitution rings, and that she brought this on herself and that was her fault. Mm. These rumors, of course, hurt Michelle's parents to the point her mom didn't even want to leave the house. Oh, I bet. But because of the crime being so personal, her ex-boyfriend, Andy Seidel, was looked at as a suspect. Actually, most people believe that Andy did it. After all, he was known to be possessive about his girlfriend, hmm. due to which he was not always liked by cl- those close to her. And, and, <laughs> and, Andy was at the mall that night Michelle was killed hmm. to buy her a Christmas present, even though they broke up. Hmm. And, like, they broke up because Michelle didn't want to be, like, tied to anybody. Mm, yeah. And they weren't on bad terms. Oh, well, that's good. Like, by any means, from what he said yeah so it just seemed like too much of a coincidence that he was there but andy claimed he didn't know anything had happened to michelle um, until michelle's mom called to ask him if he heard from her daughter Hmm. this is when he apparently felt as though something wasn't right and so along with his mother he went out to try to find her Hmm. detectives thought they had an easy arrest but there was no evidence to link Andy to the murder. And basically every male that knew Michelle was considered a suspect. I mean, anybody. Yeah. Like Mike Wyrick, who dated Michelle while, like, he was in high school. Like, he was a year older than her. Mm -hmm. He was even questioned, even though he was over 100 miles away at college. So he was never considered a serious suspect Mm -hmm. and was cleared, but he was still, since he knew her kurt thomas who saw her at the mall mm-hmm. was a suspect anyone who talked to her at michelle's funeral though andy's actions seemed suspicious he was basically in the casket with michelle hugging her and sobbing hmm. and i guess he even stated he needed to know who michelle loved when she died did she love him or mike
1: i mean that's definitely odd but does people it mean do odd things when they're mourning and- exactly
0: by 1986, this case was cold after everyone had been looked at and the investigation was dead in the water. In 2005, Detective Doug Larison was in charge and he had even gone to high school with Michelle. Hmm. Didn't really know her, but he felt like he had to solve this case in her honor since they were schoolmates. Mm-hmm. And DNA had emerged as a forensic tool by 2005. He discovered while reading her file that in the early investigation, another detective had sent blood scrapings found on the gear shift of the car in for testing, but no one had followed up with the results. Uh He found that not only did the gear shift have DNA, but it was male DNA. It's assumed, like I said earlier, that the killer cut himself during the attack Uh because Michelle was fighting so hard. And that's how his blood ended up there. Uh Larson then sent the dress Michelle was wearing to the lab for further testing and found a spot of blood, blood DNA. I'm going to make that very clear. It was blood DNA on the dress with a full male DNA profile and it was consistent with the blood DNA found on the gear shift. Now that they Just need that one person that matches that DNA profile. Yeah. Larison also shipped the blood samples to CODIS, which is a nationwide database of DNA collected from arrested offenders. If the person who killed Michelle had a previous record, CODIS would give them a hit. But unfortunately, they didn't get a hit, so now they really had work to do. They had to locate all the people they originally interviewed. Yeah. All those people that they thought could have done it, now they have DNA. Yeah. They collected DNA samples from over 125 different people. They had to convince them to take a DNA test. On the top of their list was Andy Seidel.
1: Yeah.
0: They told Andy if he gave them his DNA and it doesn't match, he will be eliminated and he'll be finally cleared. So, of course, he gave his DNA Mm -hmm. and it wasn't a match. And he was cleared. Both of Michelle's parents died believing Andy killed their daughter. Albert died in 1995, and her mom, Janet, died in 1998. They were certain it was Andy.
1: I totally forgot about that.
0: So this made Andy himself a victim. Yeah. Because not only was it his parents, but a lot of people thought he did it. Mike Weirich's DNA was tested, but no match. Even Kurt, who was the last one to see Michelle, had his DNA tested, and again, no match. They thought if they swabbed enough men, they would come across a suspect, so they continued looking for a match, and after testing all 125 people, no match, and they were all eliminated. Mm. Now it's 2015. Matt Dinlinger took over as a lead detective. Matt was five years old when Michelle was stabbed to death. His father, Harvey Denlinger, at that time was a Cedar Rapids police detective, although he was not assigned to Michelle's case. Mm -hmm. So... but still, like, that's wild. Exactly. Now, the facts had not changed, but DNA technology did. (laughs) Denlinger reached out to Parabon Nanolabs, and they were able to make a picture of the potential suspect from that DNA sample.
1: What other, I'm sorry, I'm interjecting this bit. What other case did you do maybe a month ago that Paraben Nano para Labs was referenced?
0: Um,
1: Was it the queen of the massage parlors?
0: Nope. That was, because um, she was a murderer in that one.
1: Yeah, She's in yeah, prison. that's true. Um, was it the chick that got stalked?
0: Nope, that's still unsolved. To this day okay it was because like i said i like to do
1: yeah totally but i as soon as you said it i was like wait pair of banana labs i've heard that before coming out of your mouth because you were like
0: tongue-tied <laughs> uh lee rotatory oh no that was you
1: no lee rotatory was you
0: okay it was i i've been she so involved from, in this one yeah
1: they moved from like Chicago, or some shit, to like Council Bluffs area all the way across Iowa. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yep. And, and then, she um, she was stabbed to death in her hotel room. And after living it,
0: yep. All right. So he reached out to Parabon, and they're able to make a picture of the potential su- suspect from that DNA sample. Parabon calls this technique snapshot. Not to be confused with what you put in your car from Progressive. I was <laughs>
1: I was thinking that. I was like, oh.
0: Which creates composite face imaging sketches based on DNA samples. So this suspect was likely a white male with blonde hair and blue eyes. So they made different sketches with different hairstyles because the DNA could not tell them what their hair looked like, how they styled it. One was at the age of 25, one at the age of 50, and one with a typical 1979 haircut. And so they had a press conference and shared the sketches. And the tips rolled in. Nothing panned out from those tips because they would be looking at every blonde-haired, blue-eyed guy that ever stepped foot in Iowa. Denlinger wasn't sure where to go next until an unrelated case. California's Golden State Killer, Joseph D'Angelo, who was arrested in 2018 with the help of genetic genealogy. The charting of DNA from one family member to another. Basically, a DNA family tree. Mm -hmm. Parabon was ready to test the sample. They already had one more time. They searched a public national database called GEDmatch, which is of anyone who submitted their own DNA to trace their own personal family tree. Mm -hmm. July 2018, the report came back, and they found a relative of the killer. So, Brandy Jennings in Vancouver, Washington... Is the second cousin once removed the male whose DNA was found on Michelle's bloody dress in her car? It took them months building Brandy's family tree all the way back to her great great grandparents. As more blood relatives of Brandy provided their DNA, they reached back out to Parabon and made and a match came back from a relative in Lisbon, Iowa. Really? Yep. They took her DNA and sent it back to Parabon again, and boom. She had enough DNA to be a first cousin to the killer. And then they were able to narrow it down to three brothers who lived in Iowa. They're getting closer. Mm -hmm. Research on Donald, Kenneth, and Jerry Burns began. Denlinger and his team set up a plan to collect DNA samples from all three brothers and do it without them knowing. (laughs) So they followed one to lunch, grabbed a straw, Mm -hmm. next a toothbrush from the trash he threw out, And the third brother, Jerry, which they traveled to Manchester, Iowa, which a lot of stuff I read said it was only 45 minutes away from Cedar Rapids. False. That is not true. You're going maybe 90. It's about an hour because Delhi is about 50 minutes from Cedar Rapids Uh and Manchester's a little bit further north than Delhi. How do I know my mom lived there? Another podcast said right up the road. No, it's it's not. not even. No. But they're not from here. It's fine. I mean, but if they would have looked at a map, they would have seen Manchester wasn't right up the street from Westdale Mall. Exactly. Bitches. Okay. So the third brother, Jerry, which they traveled to Manchester, Iowa, and found Jerry Burns at the pizza ranch. I've been there. And so they collected the straw he was using. Don and Kenneth were not a match. Jerry Burns' Mm. DNA was an exact match. The lab reported that the scientific probability was 100 billion to 1. Mm-hmm. Also, that parabon sketch that was very similar to a young Jerry Burns. Nice. And also, like don't be confused with Jerry Burns who was a coach for Iowa and the Minnesota Vikings cuz oh, there was ah. another Jerry Burns in Iowa but Interesting. He was a coach for Iowa. I didn't know that. Said so Iowa a lot there? Iowa. Jerry Burns was born December 23rd, 1953. Uh, Would have been 25 with two young kids when he killed Michelle. He grew up in Manchester. He was married to Patricia Burns, who had died from suicide in 2008. Jerry Burns had zero connections to Michelle and no criminal record. He was a respected businessman. December 19th, 2018. Exactly 39 years to the day after Michelle was murdered, Denlinger went in to interview Jerry at his business. Denlinger used a hidden camera inside a coffee mug trying to get a confession. (laughs) So first, Denlinger showed him the computer sketch from the DNA snapshot and said that they received a tip and that's just why they were there. Obviously, that was not the truth, but they just wanted to get his reaction and to see if he would start talking.
1: Hashtag police work.
0: Jerry didn't think it looked anything like him and denied knowing Michelle. Of course, and he pr- didn't know her. Oh well, I mean, he probably that's
1: true, but I just mean had no idea say who that she that was. That doesn't look like that. Doesn't look like me.
0: Denlinger then told him, "The reality is, we have your DNA at the crime scene, and so we know you were there that night. There that night, this happened. How could we get your DNA at the crime scene? There, Jerry. Jerry, burnt. What the? F-?
1: When the fuck did we get ice cream? <laughs> I don't know what <laughs> You know I'm quoting, right? No. What? Um, what's that fucking movie called? So you don't even know? Hmm. No, Boom. I do. It, the, the, oh, for fuck's sake. It's the Special Olympics, Johnny um, Knoxville.
0: You scratched my CD in plain daylight. Yeah, I took it about daylight and
1: scratched it.
0: When the fuck did we get ice cream? Um,
1: I keep wanting to say The Replacements, and that's the football movie. Um... Because his name is Jeffy Dahmer, <laughs> or he like says his name is Jeffy Dahmer. I I know That's what you're talking bother about. Bother me. Everybody's yelling at me.
0: Jerry responded he didn't know, and to test the DNA, but he did acknowledge he did go to Westdale Mall with his family in the past. When Denlinger asked him what happened that night, Jerry said I don't know. Test the DNA. When asked if he murdered someone that night, he responded again with test the DNA. The entire time he is being interviewed, Jerry's shop cat, Bella, was all over him. The DNA was enough to arrest Jerry for the murder of Michelle Martinko. And we have the interview that we will play now, courtesy of KCRG-TV9.
2: The reality is we're we're not here on a whim. We're here to confirm what we already know. I already collected some DNA from you that you got rid of before. And so uh, I'm telling you, Jerry, I already know that your DNA is going to match the, the DNA that we have on file. This one there, I got rid of it. Well, you, people get rid of stuff all the time and just throw it away. But I, I think that's kind of irrelevant to, to what we're talking about here, Jerry. So the reality is we have your DNA at the crime scene, and so we know you were there that night this happened. Uh, but what we don't know, Jerry, is why it happened there's a lot of recent things happen in life and, and uh, there might be an explanation for this that would help us better understand what happened that, that would not make this you know a, a terrible thing for you but I, I don't know what that explanation would be if I don't hear it from you well, I don't know how, how would we get your DNA at the crime scene there Jerry? I don't know test it see if it is No, 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 we did. How would it be there, Jerry? I don't know. What happened that night? Wait Wait. for the test to come back. Jerry, we... I don't think it did. It did? I don't think so. Okay. Jerry, what happened that night? I don't know. Test it and see what happens. Yeah, I don't... We're going to test this. Okay. Okay. Go ahead and test it. We are. But what I'm telling you is I'd already collected some DNA from stuff you discarded... And it matched our sample from the crime scene, Jerry. Let's, let's just—can we back up for a
0: second? On the way back to Cedar Rapids, a camera was rolling in the police car, and Jerry mentioned something about things being blocked out of memories. Oh,
1: you fucking asshole! But Denlinger
0: knew that the second Jerry refused to deny it or even provide a plausible explanation that they had the right guy, like he would, like you would expect, mm-hmm. if someone came to you. Mm-hmm. And said, hey, we have your DNA at a crime scene. Mm -hmm. Instead of saying, I don't know. Would you, like, if you had nothing to do with it, would you deny it? Or would you just say you don't know what happened? I have no idea. I don't remember. I don't know. Yeah, no. Like, the fact that he did not even once deny this was really suspicious. The day after his arrest, on December 20th, 2018, a district judge set his bond for $5 million, claiming that the crime he committed was heinous and brutal. Jerry pleaded not guilty to murder in January of 2019. In February 2020, Jerry Burns went on trial in Davenport, Iowa, over an hour away because of the buzz surrounding the case in Cedar Rapids. Just
1: right down the road.
0: Just right down the road. There were a lot of eyes on this case. I mean, multiple generations of people. Mm -hmm. Because it's now been four decades after the murder. Mm -hmm. Many of Michelle's friends testified, including Andy Seidel and Mike Wyrick, and they had to relive it all over again. First assistant prosecutor for Lynn County, Nick Maybanks, had science on his side. His DNA. Maybanks said that there were files found on Jerry's computer, deviant or violent pornography, featuring prominently young blonde women. Hmm. I mean...
1: I mean, does you can't it? fault someone for having porn, per se.
0: And, you know, you can't say, oh, that's... He he's a murderer because of that. Right. But right. DNA doesn't L- lie. Right. Science. The defense, and I'm not even gonna mention the defense lawyer. He looked really familiar, to be honest, but this was a joke. The defense argued that there was no doubt the DNA belonged to Jerry. But how it got there was another matter. Oh god. They argued it was plausible that the DNA got there by transfer. Because every time you come into contact with something, you shed DNA. Sure.
1: Oh, you fucked twice. Sure,
0: sure, okay. And I
1: know exactly why you're, yep.
0: And that because Michelle was in the same mall Jerry had been in. It was transferred when Michelle sat sat down at a table in the food court. So she just happened to be in the food court and sat down at a table that Jerry Burns had once sat at, and that's that, why his blood DNA that hurts
1: my brain. That I'm that yelling. was such a recent case that that's the shit they tried to pull. That's like getting an STD from a toilet seat. No, like that's that's the equivalent of that shit right there.
0: Yes, so. How oh my God. did his blood end up in her car and on her dress? She didn't get that by sitting down at a table in the Westdale yeah, Mall it's food not touch court. DNA,
1: it's blood DNA. You,
0: Jerry's brother, Don. Said because Jerry used to work in a dealership that sold Buick cars. Oh, fuck you. That there's a possibility that the Martinko's car went through that dealership and his DNA would be in the car. Oh, Again, oh it wouldn't be blood DNA on her dress. Yeah. Oh, my According God. According to Matt Denlinger, that is a fantasy. Anyone with common sense will know that's impossible. There was only one way Jerry's DNA got in that car. Yeah. I really like this uh, Matt Denlinger.
1: I just like that last name, Denlinger.
0: The defense also said there was no way Jerry would commit such a crime. A married man with young children at home wouldn't leave his home and drive to Cedar Rapids at night, kill Michelle, and then leave to go back. Odd. Yes. Yeah. But, again, DNA. Yeah doesn't lie 100 billion to one match
1: well and i wonder because manchester is you know just up the road what i mean i guess lyndale mall would have been closer as far as malls go here in town Mm -hmm. i wonder if the mall was it the kennedy mall in dubuque if that was even a mall at that point or whatever because it says it's right before christmas i'm thinking you know maybe he decided to come down to the mall and do Christmas shopping or whatever and Mm -hmm. he just like saw her got obsessed like you know followed her type I mean she was like like they
0: said like she was a head turner yeah she was stunning like people paid attention to her Mm -hmm. her outfit sounded gorgeous Oh, you should you'll you'll see the pictures I mean she was she was beautiful the jury only took three hours to find Jerry Burns guilty of first-degree murder Jerry was sentenced to life in prison without parole. Finally, the case that haunted Cedar Rapids for 40 years was closed. But now, some wonder if Michelle was Jerry's only victim. Jerry had randomly brought up Jody Husentrout in his interview that December day in 2018. Yep. Jody disappeared in 1995 in Mason City, two hours from Manchester where Jerry lived, and has never been found. You can listen to this. I covered this episode three. Um, which, oddly, we posted on December 19th. Oh, that's on Instagram. what you were getting
1: at. Uh, she had texted me. I was like, oh, there's a weird coincidence. That's not the only one. Uh, well, still. That's- um,
0: Unfortunately, though, in that episode, we were brand spanking new and we were having mic issues and we did not know. So, if you do listen to that. Please forgive us. Yes.
1: Have patience.
0: There is no evidence That there is a connection, but Mason City Police will not disclose if they are investigating Jerry, and his DNA is not connected to any other cases. Michelle fought so hard that it caused her killer to cut himself to leave his DNA, so in a way, Michelle helped solve her own murder. Mm -hmm. But Nick Maybanks quoted it best. It's not about how she died, it's about how she lived. And let us know what you think. Do you okay. think Jerry's DNA ended up in the car and on her dress from DNA transfer? And do you think there is a possibility he is connected to the disappearance of Jody who's in Drew? So, update. Jerry has hired Chicagoland attorney Kathleen Zellner, who is famous for representing Stephen Avery oh.
2: from Netflix
0: Making a Murderer. Mm-hmm. And her office is planning on appealing Jerry's conviction. I don't know how you appeal how DNA. You? Yeah, that's... <laughs> um, They'll and probably,
1: here, fuck Jesus.
0: And so here's the other strange, very strange coincidence. We On December 19th, 2013, Jerry's cousin Brian Burns, who is 55, oh. disappeared from his home in Manchester. Um, the Delaware County Sheriff's Office says Brian Burns remains an active missing person case, but at this point has no link to Jerry. So he was, I guess, last seen talking about getting a ride. And it said on December 19th, I'm like, wait a second. Um. So I had seen that he had a missing cousin, but no connection to him. But like, how do you know that? Like, how do they know they they haven't found him? That's bizarre. Like he might have, I'm not, I'm no, like just what I'm thinking is, you know, maybe he just gets it in his mind to do something bad and then does it and then goes back to his normal life.
1: Yeah, I do out of a system kind of and
0: but hmm. that I want to know what people think. Um, I wish yeah. I would have gone more into detail with Jody who's in True. Well,
1: but, but there's not a ton since she hasn't been
0: found. It's not like there's. I a lot. also read that Masons is in another article. I read it yesterday that they believe Mason City police believe they interviewed someone who had provided information mm-hmm. and that they're going to find her or know what happened to her very soon. I don't know if it's true, but that's what I read. That would be still sad,
1: obviously, but...
0: But why would he have gone to Mason City? Keep it away from home. And he, I guess, he, you know, she was on TV and she was blonde, but yeah. you can't say, oh, well, he did it because she was blonde and so was Michelle. Because right now, that's all they really have to, right. like... And by the way, he did bring it up. Like it's in the interview, courtesy yeah. of KCRG TV9. Well, that, was, that was a good
1: one, Ashley. Good job. Good
0: job. Now I don't know what else to do. <laughs> oh, I want to get Sarah to do the sprite challenge with me. I'm a little nervous, but let us know if we should. If you don't know what the sprite challenge is, please go to TikTok. You will laugh.
1: <laughs> I mean, there's no way in hell I'm going to get through a whole 20 ounce. Oh, I won't burp. either. There's absolutely no way I'm, like, the queen of belching. Social medias are pretty much Hometown Homicide podcasts, except, Ope murder. On, on Twitter. Twitter? Twitter, We want to tell stories to you, not about you. So stay
0: safe. And this was Hometown Homicide.